Thanks for tuning in to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm biased, but this conversation was awesome. Both if you're a new grad, just looking for your first job, coming out of graduate school, or you've been out for a little bit. Maybe you're looking for the for your second job. Maybe you're looking for your third job, or you just want to have a conversation with your employers and figure out how do I position that? How do I position myself to stand out? How do I position myself to continue to get better in the field and provide the very best for your patient? All of that and way more is covered in today's conversation with Dr. Julie Burrell. She does a fabulous job of really boiling it down and giving you points to simply have in mind and work on. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Julie. As always, we are looking to grow. We need outstanding sports PTs that understand our mission and values, which is to always provide the very highest levels of care to the highest levels of athlete. So reach us at True Sports PT. Can't wait for you guys to enjoy this. Share your feedback. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Very excited to have Dr. Julie Burrill here with us. Julie is one of our newer additions at True Sports Physical Therapy. I want to hear all about being a new grad. I want to hear about what you're going to teach us about what new grads should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, what your grad school experience was like. Um, and I think there's just so much to dive into. So without further ado, tell us how you got where you are today. Sure. Yoni, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And it's really, it's been fun kind of reflecting a little bit on my journey I would say it all goes back to, like many of us, being an athlete as a kid, just loving sports. I grew up with brothers, so I was always playing football and baseball and just, you know, playing rough. Um, and then in high school, played softball and field hockey competitively, which ultimately took me into college. I played field hockey at the University of Scranton and completed all seven years of my education in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's a which lot of time in it's Scranton. A, it's a lot of time. It was great. Um, I loved every second of it. And it really opened a lot of doors for me. You know, being a field hockey player and playing in college, um, the main thing that I really got from that that led me to sports PT was falling in love with training. Field hockey, of course, was a love of mine. But what I noticed once I got to the college level is that I went from being a pretty um, small fish in a big pond to, or sorry, being a big fish in a small pond to then getting to the college level and having all of this talent around me. And suddenly I wasn't one of the better girls on the team. So it really taught me hard work and hustle. And I realized through the years that what I loved about field hockey wasn't so much the sport, but it was getting up in the morning and getting in the weight room and, you know, achieving the score that I wanted on my run test. And then during that time studying exercise science, I just became obsessed with human performance, mental stuff, physical stuff, um, just all of it. And then graduated, you know, in 2019 with my undergrad in exercise science. And my senior year, I did an internship in strength and conditioning with a sports performance ship up in Scranton. And that was a really cool opportunity to kind of get me out of the classroom and get me in the real world and actually learn what it's like to, to coach athletes and to give somebody cues. And it takes like 10 cues to get a 12-year-old to, to squat properly. And just learning that stuff early on. Um, was super powerful for me. And then, you know, once I made my way into grad school, which started like a week after undergrad graduation, which, you know, was, was a great a turnaround going yeah. from going from like easy senior year to grad school. 
Um, but I had the pleasure at Scranton of serving as the strength and conditioning coach for quite a few varsity teams, specifically a lot of the women's sports, field hockey, basketball, tennis, um, a little bit of swim as well. And that was, again, just a great way for me to get reps. And it was during that time in PT school, learning important things, but not really getting into that human performance side of things much. And then after class, going to the weight room and coaching these athletes, I'm like, I'm kind of loving this coaching stuff more than what I'm learning in school. And that's when I started to set my sights on sports PT. And, uh, you know, luckily, as I was wrapping up my clinicals with graduation, I I was nervous about having this high standard of like, can I get a job in sports as a new grad? Um, but luckily, you know, getting my CSCS and having this experience, I felt confident enough to reach out to you guys amongst other companies and ultimately landed the position. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that entire journey that kind of got me here. That's, that's a great story. You hit on a couple of things there that I think are worth highlighting. One is you're in graduate school, you're learning all the basic sciences, you're learning how to be a physical therapist, and then you have this outside of the classroom experience of coaching, and you fall in love with coaching. What kills me is, why are we not taught to be better coaches in graduate school? Why is that not part of the curriculum? I think that's something I would have loved to have known, learned, and there's so much science and skill and art around just that. And by the way, as I think through this, not just for sports. If you're teaching a sit-to-stand in a um, post-stroke unit, you got to be a great coach. You get you got to be arguably a better coach there than you do when when you're teaching change of direction late Agreed. stage ACL, right? Yeah. So, I would love to see that as a class in and of itself, coaching 101. I did a pod with it um, with with Deemer Class on how he teaches elite level athletes and how he teaches younger athletes how to shoot a lacrosse ball, which is super technical. But that's that's something I would have loved to have seen. <clears throat> it begs the question: You coming out of graduate school, what do you wish you would have seen in your graduate studies to prepare you for where you are today? Yeah, definitely. It's such a hard conversation talking about PT school and kind of like how things should be because... Not hard for me. I at, love that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, the main priority of PT school is so we can pass that board's exam. I think the real problem lies in the board's exam and the fact that so much of the information on there is just simply not relevant anymore. Um, a lot of older practices that aren't really being used. And <clears throat> what if there was you know, potentially like some kind of practical component to becoming a PT or maybe like scenarios in a video form that we watch and we have to say like, what cue would you give this athlete? Studying for my CSCS, you know, that exam had videos and you would watch an athlete perform a bench press and it would say like, is this correct or what cue would you select? And even studying for that, I learned more about coaching through that certification process and then implementing it than I did in PT school. So, you know, it's, it's hard. I think that PT schools, like you said, having an elective at least where there's a place for it to be talked about would be huge. But then I also think, you know, doing our due diligence on clinicals and having instructors who are really going to talk about these coaching principles, because at the end of the day, what you learn in the classroom, a lot of times is going to stay in the classroom where things are really going to carry over is when you get to practice it. So I think if clinical instructors, and they already have such a hard job managing a student, um, but if they can place some emphasis on the art of coaching, in addition to the pathology, in addition to 
you know, here's the stages of a rotator cuff repair. Um, say like, hey, I want you to watch how I communicate and let's talk about that. And notice how I didn't tell this athlete to squeeze their bicep. I told him to lift his hand up. Like those kinds of conversations are something that I kind of wish I saw more of younger. Love that because you did come back to to the answer of what you wish you would have seen in graduate school. You make a great point, which you have a habit of doing, um, <laughs> as I'm thrilled that no one saw you help me set up the tech around this podcast. But thank you for teaching me that. But also thank you for highlighting the fact that graduate school, like they're doing their best, right? And they're trying to get their kids, their students to pass the, the exam because that looks good and that's going to attract others, right? Let's put it on the CI. So that's a very interesting look as to how to maybe we can better uh, the educational process. As some of my experience looks at how do we vet CIs? How do we get people interested in CIs? How do we make sure that they're managing expectations um, with their own productivity as well as with a student? How would you enforce that? How would you educate the CI to say, hey, this is your responsibility. Teach them how to coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that can be collaborative between the university and the CI. I know on some clinicals, when I went there, they had a very rigid kind of structure of like, this is our process for a 10-week clinical. This is what you do week one. This is what you do week two. For those clinicals, my CI and I had a great communication because there were guidelines. And we would kind of add things in here or there compared to my other rotation in a super high volume, four or five patients in our clinic. I learned a lot just by doing, but like there was no structure to that learning process. So what I think would be cool, Yoni, is if I was in charge of this, is creating guidelines week to week and implementing coaching principles into those guidelines. When you sit down with your CI each week to discuss goals, don't just talk about like, oh, I want to understand the best exercises to choose for a knee replacement. Let's also talk about, oh, I want to go over ways to communicate these exercises or ways to progress or regress a sit to stand. Like, how can we structure that specifically into a clinical? I think that would be easier on the CI and on the student. Love that. Great ideas. You're making me think about just the other conversations that I've had just on this pod. I just spoke to Mike Reinold, and he has an uncanny ability to make things really freaking simple, mm -hmm. right? Let, let's not overcomplicate things. You use the term progress, regress, or scale as it pertains to exercises, as it pertains to functional movement. Let's come up with ways to, let's give you, I hate to use the term, a tool bag, because that just gets so <laughs> freaking overused. I got so mad at that term in grad school. But let's give you skills to choose from to say, here's one way to communicate. Here's another way to communicate. How do you meet the patient where they are? That's really, really great advice. So you wish you had that coming out of graduate school. Is, is there anything else that you wish you knew in preparation for your first job? Yeah, great question. In retrospect, one thing that I kind of wish I took a little bit, like I wish I was a little bit easier on myself about this, is that there are multiple ways to accomplish a goal in physical therapy. And what I mean by that is coming out of school, entering your first job, you are just observing everything and taking everything in, whether that's in the clinic directly, whether that's on Instagram, scrolling through. And I had a lot of moments where, you know, I was thinking about, let's say, my post-op ACL patient and the exercises that I chose to work on quad activation. 
And then I go on Instagram and I see these other exercises and I'm like, oh man, I should have done these. These are better or all of those thoughts and constantly comparing yourself, I think can be a good thing. It's motivating, but at the same time, comparing your week one or month one to somebody's year 10 is just different. So I think it's great to consume that stuff. Um, but also have a little bit of patience with yourself of like knowing that the basics work. Like if you have a background in strength and conditioning, if you've done your due diligence as an athlete to understand movement, you're going to know the basic principles and those little kind of like cool, sexy exercises here and there are great. Um, but that's something I struggled with is just knowing that I'm still going to get people better with the basics and I'll get more advanced as time comes. Um, but there's a lot of ways to work on quad strength and it doesn't necessarily need to be the perfect exercise. And so if that's something you wish you knew, how did you go about learning that? Can you give an example of like when that really came clear to you? Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it was definitely just like as time went on, um, seeing my patients get better, (laughs) honestly, is what it is. Like the first couple months, you know, you have some people come in the clinic who it only takes a few weeks for them to be kind of back on track. But then you have the post-op patients who it just, it takes a while to see that progress. So I think once I hit like two, three months on the job and I had those evals in September who by the time we got to November were doing tremendously better, it just reminded me and gave me that confidence of like what I'm doing is working. Um, And then also just observing other PTs, like not being afraid to communicate with the PTs in your environment, asking questions to them, saying like, hey, I saw you do this exercise. Can you go over that with me? And like not being fearful of like, oh, they're going to judge me or they're going to think I'm unsure, like just constantly surrounding yourself with how can I learn more? Um, And then that confidence will come. You're you're so good at that. I've had the privilege of treating the same clinic as you and I've seen you do an awesome job of keeping your head on a swivel, seeing what's going on around you, but coming from a place of humility to say, I wasn't really sure what you were doing. Um, Can you tell me? And and also kind of making the case for what you were doing, having some good rationale. Some of that comes from prep, that you prepared for a given session, you prepared for what was in front of you, and now you're giving your patient your best, and, and you at least had solid ground to stand on and have the conversation. But the other piece comes from your tenacity with learning. I think too often, and this is my little tidbit of advice to new grads, because I do remember what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but um, is to the tenacity hit Instagram, try to find this stuff, right? Um, go to PubMed, try to find legit articles. Go to your coworkers. Be hungry to learn, to get better, as opposed to being hungry to show that you already know. That is a massive frustration that I have with new graduates. Um, and, and I know from talking to colleagues that, that they think, hey, new grads think they know everything. You, did, you have an uncanny ability to show the opposite. And that would be my advice to new grads is just show that you're being a sponge and that you want to keep keep getting better. I want to rewind a little bit to in terms of your career path because we talked about once you're on the job, what do you wish you knew? Talk to me about how did you get the job at True Sports? Yeah, I mean, you could probably answer that question better than me. I want to hear it from you. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the whole process going through from from start to finish and the conversations that I had primarily with John Harned, shout out John. I think a big part of what helped me stand out is 
just letting that passion shine and really showing my eagerness and my excitement about sports PT and my interest in it. I think that that first initial phone call that you have with the company is so crucial. Like, not that you want to be like super extra enthusiastic and sounding fake, but at the same time, like, don't be afraid to be genuine and be like, hey, I checked out your Instagram and I'm, I'm really excited about what you guys provide there. And, you know, like, also, again, balancing that confidence and humility is, I think, a life skill that is just challenging. Um, but not being afraid to to talk about your strengths, talk about those things that you did and the influence that they had. I think reminding myself, you know, they already saw the resume. They already know where I did my clinicals and that I did strength coaching at Scranton. But what don't they know from the resume? So in that initial conversation with John, you know, I talked about my excitement with connecting with people in the profession through my podcast and through social media and podcast called the goal set mindset podcast, which can be found subtle flex, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, check me out. <laughs> Nothing subtle about that flex. Go ahead. So you spoke to Harnett. Thank you, Yoni. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like making sure that the person that you're speaking to knows about the ins and outs of what you did in a way that doesn't make you seem overconfident um but just truly passionate and authentically excited about it and like you said with new grads like everybody knows a new grad went to pt school a lot of us learn the same things you know that there are going to be gaps in our knowledge but showing that you're willing to be that sponge that you're willing to take the steps I know for me, you know, speaking with with John, hearing that True Sports really supports Con Ed, that was a big thing for me that not only excited me, but I made it very clear like, hey, continuing education is a big priority for me. And I know for you guys, that's like, oh, great, because you're a new grad. You need to learn stuff. We want you to take that and run with it. Um, let me let me play a little devil's advocate here. Sure. I get I, I do a lot of interviews, right? So I get on that. That wasn't a subtle flex. That was also a massive flex. I interview a lot of people. Anyway, <laughs> um, so when I'm interviewing people, every new grad says, I w- here's what they say. I want mentorship. Mm-hmm. I want continuing ed. In back of my head, I'm like, this person um, didn't have a good grad school education, so they need me to teach them how to be a PT. Mm-hmm. And then this person doesn't know anything. So they need a bunch of continuing ed. Mm. How do you combat those two initial thoughts from the person interviewing you? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely um, a good point. And I think that if you can show that you want those things because you really want to dive deep. Like, for example, if you say that you're a sports PT, and I've heard you speak about this, Yoni, like there has to be a standard for what that means. Like you are working with athletes. You're working with high level people. You are loading them up. You are creating true adaptation to make that person stronger and so I think like talking about like hey I'm really excited about this con ed it's not to like achieve just the bare minimum education it's like hey I want to be an asset to your sports community here I want to make sure that the high level lacrosse players that come in the door get the best care so for me I'm confident with treating these people because of my strength background but I want to make sure that I can take those people far beyond their baseline and get them as strong as possible and that's where I want to go take my coursework is like what is that niche that you're after not just like grabbing the random generalized courses but like What is it that you feel called to do and how can you go pursue that thing? And I think coming into a company like True Sports, it's such a cool blend of like 
we have this like small family feel. There's a lot of PTs who are really close knit here, but we're also a pretty big company. So you guys have some systems in place and coming into a big company like this, it's, I ask myself the question of where can I be an asset to this, to this group? What can I bring to the table that's different? And how can I sell that to you guys at True Sports? So when I spoke with John, I talked about my love for female athletes, being one myself, really passionate about a holistic approach to PT. And he was like, oh, we need a female in Eldersburg. This is perfect. And that's where I really continued that conversation of like, I can be your girl. Like I can be that, you know? Yeah. And I think um, what you were able to do was highlight the positive passion. When, when I talk to other uh, clinic directors, I talk to John, I talk to Tim Stone, who, who does a lot of interviewing for our company. We're always trying to figure out what are the things that correlate to success? What are the things that correlate to being an outstanding team member of our true sports team? And we think it's that. We think it's passion. We think if we can see a really healthy amount of passion, uh, we can help that clinician like sky's the limit. What we struggle with is when we don't see passion and we feel like we're trying to be excited for you. That Mm -hmm. should never be the case. So anyone who's listening to this pod already 20 minutes in, they know how passionate you are. When you asked me what helped you stand out from the crowd, it was that. Like everyone has that. Everyone has a doctorate. Everyone has a DPT. You went ahead, got your CSCS, okay? Like maybe she takes it a little bit more seriously. I'm looking at the resume. She did some things outside of just being an A student, right, um, in, in her graduate program. And I get on the phone and she's talking about, A, she did some research on the company. So she knows what we do. B, she's excited about that that which we do and she thinks that she can add to that she's following up with how can i get better to add to that now in my head as the interviewer i'm thinking this isn't an app um, an applicant who doesn't know anything and wants me to teach her this is an applicant that knows what she doesn't know is dying to fill those gaps in and it's going to help everyone most importantly the patient yeah the athlete um so that's my response to your question of why you got the gig here or, or what I know John Harnett loved about it. So, um, uh, you know, I think there's, there's something in there. One of the things that I remember way back when that I struggled with as a new grad was the dreaded question of how long have you been doing this? Mm. How do you handle that question? Yeah. It, it's always a little bit awkward when somebody asks that because most times that people ask that they're questioning you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, though. There are some people who ask me that. And when I do respond, you know, five months, I'm almost at six months with with True Sports, I think next week. Um, they're like, oh, wow, I thought you'd been doing this for way longer. Mm-hmm. Score. Yep. But there are those people that are a little a little reluctant. And I mean, you can't lie. You got to be transparent and you got to say, oh, you know, I've been with the company for five or six months. That's usually what I say. I don't usually say like I have only been a PT for five or six months. And then if they really pry and ask, um, I'll be open about that. I think that a lot of people, like I worried about that a lot more than I needed to. I think at the end of the day, that first impression that you make with a person, carrying yourself with confidence and with professionalism, that question is going to go out of their head very quickly as soon as they develop that trust with you. Um, but when it comes, I mean, you've got to be open and honest about it, but I, I don't think it's as big of a problem as we think it is as a new grad. 
I never had the issue that you or John Harned have of looking young. So <laughs> I didn't get that question that much. Yeah. I, I used to make a joke of it and be like, counting today? How long have I been doing it? Or, And so just like bringing, being transparent, like you're saying, of saying, listen, I haven't been doing this for 20 years, um, but I'm, I'm bringing the best to you. I'm bringing the best that I know how. Um, and then really continuing to check in with that patient to make sure that they, A, feel comfortable, and B, there isn't stuff that you're just glossing over out of hubris, because that's what's going to make you gloss over it. Right. And bringing those people in, um, bringing in, whether it be your CI or someone else in the clinic, say, hey, um, just introducing the patient, because that lets them know that you're totally comfortable with where the athlete is in the rehab cycle, that you'll show it to another therapist, maybe a seasoned therapist. Um, and it also gives them comfort that the other therapist can check in. So um, I've, I've seen you be awesome about that. Just include and lean on the company, lean on um, the experts around you, because mm -hmm. that's going to help the patient. Yeah. And another thing I'll say with that, Yoni, is I've been surprised on the other side of that coin how many people come into our clinic to True Sports. A lot of us are younger clinicians because I think that the culture of PT is changing where there's a lot of us who are younger who are really excited about this blend of strength and conditioning and PT. But I'm surprised at how many people come in from other outside clinics and they see me, a young, excited, fresh person, and they're pumped about that. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, thank God. Like, I love your energy. Like, and that's really cool too because the the seasoned clinicians so much respect to them they've they've obviously done a very good job and they're still doing what they what they love but at the same time i think a lot of patients enjoy that like fresher perspective that young energy especially like the middle aged like older folks that come into our clinic maybe not the 17 year old i don't think those kids really think so much about our age or um yeah or or much at all just you know what they're having for dinner um but yeah, like a lot of people, that's a, that's something to empower a new grad. Think about like, how can my energy alone serve this client and get this person excited about their rehab? And if you can get that person excited, that's going to carry them so much further along this process than worrying about like, oh, I haven't been doing this as long as the guy next to me. Good advice also for the, the seasoned vet, like a schmuck like me who's been doing this for a while. Like, how do I make sure that I don't get stale like how many freaking acls have i rehabbed right so like how excited am i gonna get about terminal knee extension well i better figure that out i better figure out how i'm gonna get excited for that patient for terminal knee extension or whatever it is the goal that that is for that day because that goes way further than the letters after your name yeah good advice thanks for teaching me that <laughs> um i appreciate that now you have done an outstanding job of marketing yourself what would you tell a new grad? What pearl of wisdom would you give to a new grad to say, here's how to market? Yeah, I'm going to go off of a point that I spoke on earlier. Um, <coughs> be authentic and be passionate. Show people that you really care and always approach a situation where you're marketing, whether it's you know going to a gym and introducing yourself or covering a team sporting event or going to some kind of like, I don't know, farmer's market in your town. Always come from the lens of, how can I help this person? What can I do for this person or this community before you ask yourself, what can this community do for me? 
I think if you always start that conversation with, I would love to serve you guys. And as an example, you know, the location I'm in in Eldersburg, we're inside of Execution Athletics. Shout out, they are a CrossFit style gym. And I love talking to that community and always telling them like, hey, I'm here to keep you in the game. I know you love CrossFit. I know you love doing pull-ups and snatches. I want to keep you doing that while respecting your injury. So you let me know if you have issues, like I'm here for you. And that lens of like, oh, cool, they get it. That's always going to be the most helpful thing. So however you can apply that to the community you're serving, I think is where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. How long have you been um, CrossFit certified? Uh, like two months. Okay. So, yeah. so that's a great example. Right. Right. Where you walked into a bed full of athletes. Right. And, and you said like, how can I relate to them? How can I give them the best? And you went out and got that certification. That's awesome. That's really directed continuing education as opposed to some of what I hear on an interview where it's not clear what the therapist wants to do or has a passion for. So that's, I think that's a real highlight there it makes me think of i i did a in service this is 12 years ago i did an in service on loading the osteoporotic athlete cool I don't i guess i don't <laughs> know if the word osteoporotic is really pronounced properly or if that's even a word but women with osteoporosis how's yeah. that um or osteopenia and i just you know, I presented a ton of research and I remember bringing in a weight vest to this woman's living room and, and going over like squat mechanics under load and talking about the principles of bone development and bone health because of that. That is not a topic that I bet you then I loved. It was absolutely an underserved population in and around the clinic that I was building at the time. So it doesn't have to be your passion. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the person in front of you. It's about the the family of athletes that you're trying to serve. Um, that's why that's why we got into this, right? That's that's why we got into this field, not to help ourselves, but to help the people uh, in front of us. You mentioned how you deal with the question, how long you've been doing this. When you're new to the game, how do you handle duration questions? How do you handle, hey, my shoulder, I got tendonitis in my shoulder, but that's what you told me I have. How long is that going to take to clear up? Yeah, that's hard. That's one of the hardest things that I'm navigating right now, just purely because of reps. You know, I, I think at this point, six months in, I've seen 90% of what walks in the door, I've seen at least once or twice at this point. So I'm getting better at that. But, you know, sticking to what we learn in the research, sticking to guidelines. So for example, if it's a pretty flared up tendinopathy, I've learned through Con Ed stuff that tendinopathy can be like a year long process to be like, 110%. Now that doesn't mean it's a year long for you to get back to what you love, but it means you're going to have to work at this thing for a while. So if somebody asks a question about a timeline, you know, use your clinical judgment, say typically for most people, we shoot for six to eight weeks, give an answer that you're most confident in, confident in, in that moment, but also don't be afraid to say, but to be honest with you, there's a lot of factors that goes into a healing timeline there's a lot of lifestyle things that are going to be an influence. So we'll continue to have this conversation. I'll dive into some research and see what I can find. And we'll chat about that a little bit more as you go. And there have been times where I'm unsure. I give my best answer to them, but I say, you know, let me look into this. This is a little bit of a unique case. And then I go ahead and I ask my mentors. I, I look to the research. I look in these different mentorship platforms I'm a part of. And I say, hey, has anybody seen like 
you know, super spinatus tendonitis in this specific level of CrossFit athlete, what do you typically see? Um, just doing your due diligence and then getting back to that person after the fact. Yeah, that last piece is so important. You know, make a note. I'm not sure. Let, let me get back to you. Make a note. Just make sure that there is follow-up. I think in this day and age, patients are past just hearing gospel from their doctor. They're going to go look it up anyway. They want to hear that you're going to look it up if you don't know. And don't make it up. Yeah. Don't make it up. Um, there's People ask me the question about ACL so much. And I'm able to like look back on that. 15 years I've been doing this, like it's a lot of ACL. So I can like try to recall, you know, I had this one guy who made it back in four months. I had this one guy who kind of looked like you, he made it back in six or they struggle with extension, whatever. You can cite certain examples, but even if you're a new grad and you don't have that to pull on for you to say, I'm going to look it up or here's why I think this and give quality and context to that can, that can really go a long way. Yeah, and Yoni, to kind of like turn that on you, I'm curious, you being a seasoned clinician. I will be asking the question. Do you? Here. No, I'm a podcast host too. I got to jump in with <laughs> yes, at least one. Are. Go ahead. I am curious for you, do you still have situations where you have a patient in front of you who asked that question and you're not 100% sure because there's just so many factors that go into it? Like, is that a question that's going to persist even as you get experience? No question about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I get it all the time. Um, I got one linebacker who questions me on everything. So, you know, I felt this in my knee. Is this my kneecap or is this my meniscal repair? I'm like, I, I don't know. Go ask Julie <laughs> Burrell. But, but yes, it, that comes, you know, it's that on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, it's, you know, it bothers me in the back of my knee. What do you think that is? Handling that and and understanding the athlete is just trying to get better and then putting some context around does it matter does it does it matter it like let's let's just like continue along the game plan I think that also helps an athlete get out of their own head sometimes uh, of trying to answer that and say we're headed to getting you back on the field it doesn't matter if your knees making noise when you're on the field it matters if you can't perform so let's let's live there yeah let's focus on the performance I like that and I I bring that up and ask you that because I think that's a really great thing to keep in mind as a clinician, as a young clinician, especially just to maintain that level of confidence of like, even the best of the best in our profession, even the guys who are really experienced, they're still going to answer that question sometimes with like, Hey, I'm not exactly sure. And that's okay. Or it depends, right? Yeah, or it depends. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is important. That is important to remember. Um, what should a new grad sports PT look for in an employer? Good question. Biggest thing, make sure. So if we're talking specifically for sports PT here, you know better than anybody, Yoni. There's a lot of people out there calling themselves sports PT clinics, and they're just not. Um, you have to make sure that you go to that location, you spend time there, you observe their patient care, and you get to see the space that they have as well as the equipment that they have. I think those are the two key things that really set apart sports PT from the other guys not that the other guys aren't good but if you're an athlete and you need true sports rehab no pun intended um you need that stuff and you know so when when I was interviewing for jobs the first job I interviewed for was in Delaware and I won't give the specific name of this practice but they had the word sports performance in the title of their company 
So I saw the job posting online. I'm pumped. I'm like, oh, I want to live in Delaware. Sports performance, PT, this is great. I have a phone interview. Goes awesome. Tell her all about my strength background. She's excited. Going for my in-person interview. I walk in the clinic and I'm like, hmm, like, where's where's the weights? Like, where's the squat rack? Then I go to another location. I'm like, oh, maybe this one just doesn't have it. I go there. I'm like, all right, they got a 20-pound kettlebell. Okay. And I just noticed, like, they didn't really have that space. So then first I observe and then I ask, hey, I noticed that, you know, you guys say you do some sports performance stuff. What's going on there? And they said, oh, you know, a few years ago we used to have that at this one location, but it's kind of fizzled out and, and we don't do that anymore. And I was crushed by that because I wanted this to work out. I wanted this place, um, but it just wasn't it. And then I said, hey, would you mind if I stuck around, stutter around and, and observe some patient care? She said, sure. And again, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't sports. Um, I love gen pop and I love applying sports to gen pop, but it was very general low-level rehab. So all of that to say, you've got to dive deep into that research process on your standpoint because that initial interaction, I was like, this is sports, this is it, and it wasn't. So make sure that you dive deep into what is that clinic really offering. Ask them in the interview, hey, what does a normal caseload look like for you? When you go in for your interview, say, would you mind if I could take a look at your schedule and kind of read those diagnoses? Um, don't be afraid to ask those questions. And I think the company will really appreciate that and your your excitement about seeing what they're all about. That's, that's great advice. Um, do you care about how often they're treating patients? How much time they allot per patient? What were you looking for? Yeah, this is a personal, a personal thing of mine for sure. Um, I knew coming out of school, I wanted one-on-one -on -one care. It didn't matter to me if it was 45 minutes or an hour. Here at True Sports are 45 minutes, and that's perfect for me. I knew that I was going to provide my highest level of care and give my best to my patients with that one-on-one. -on -one. And that's how I ended up in Maryland. It's, it's hard to find that right now. Um, and that was a non-negotiable for me, as well as the squat rack and the, the heavy yeah. kettlebells. Yeah. Um, and you guys checked both of those boxes for me. Yeah. Okay. So when... Did you ask about salary? Yeah. Um, right off the bat, you know, that, that first phone interview, I did ask John. I said, you know, what is the, the salary that you offer to, to new grad PTs? Um, I didn't do a full, you know, like negotiation process at that point because it was just that initial interview. But I at least inquired about that information because if that's something that's important to you, you got to ask that right away because if it doesn't align with what you want, don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. Um, and I, it's a it's a hard question because it's awkward, especially when in your first career. It's like, how do I do this? But it's an important one. So I think right out the gates, ask, you know, what does this typically look like for your company? And then you can prepare your negotiation for the next time you meet with that company. Yeah, let me let me push back a little bit or maybe ask for a little more detail, which is when in that conversation do you think salary should be discussed? Is that the first thing you talk about? No, definitely not. Um, I think that it's hard because you don't you don't want to focus on that. You don't want the person that you're speaking to, the interviewer, to think that that's the only thing that you care about. But at the same time, I think you owe it to yourself to at least bring it up you know, pretty early on in the process. So I would say you're going to have the conversations about the company, about your experience. Ask about the things that matter to you. Ask about treatment time. Ask about population. Whatever those are, 
And then maybe at the end of the conversation, just end with that. Just say, you know, I really like what I'm hearing. I'm really excited to, to come and meet you in person. Um, I would just love to know, you know, for my records, so I can compare amongst other jobs, what am I looking at for salary? Or maybe you are the kind of person who wants to just say, hey, just so you know, I'm weighing my options. I'm looking between this amount and this amount right now. Um, just want to let you know that, you know, right off the bat. Like, but I think it's worth mentioning initially. I, I agree with you totally. I think anyone who's conducting an interview and thinks it's totally taboo to talk money doesn't see the whole picture. Um, I will say in my uh, limited experience, my first job coming out of graduate school, that's really all I cared about. Because I know that because I negotiated myself out of a job which would have been better for me clinically and took a job because he offered me three thousand dollars more than anywhere else that i was being offered i just saw it as like this competitive thing like i'm this is awesome like i won the game yeah i come out i come out of school somehow i pass grad school and they're giving me this amount of money i won so quickly did i realize i lost I just lost that game. I lost the whole thing. I took a job that I never should have. I didn't do any sports rehab. Uh, they told me I was doing sports rehab. I didn't do due diligence. I wish I would have known you then, except you were in diapers. Um, <laughs> and and I screwed up. So I want to know from a someone I'm interviewing, I kind of want to know where it falls. And it's okay if that falls first. It's okay if you say, I got to make six figures. I got all these student debt, all the student debt. I'm taking care of a kid, what, whatever, whatever you're, that's okay. That's you. It's not true sports for a new grad and, and that's okay too. Now what we do offer is one-on-one for 45, actually treating athletes, room to treat them. If those are really important for you, we got that. Yeah. I'm okay if that's not number one on your list, but I'm fine talking about it. Yeah. Yoni. And I think it all just comes back to priorities yeah. As a new grad, one of the hardest things is getting your priority list straight of like, what is it that you really value? And this takes time. So anybody who's listening to this, who is a younger clinician, spend some time one day, go to like a, a spot where you just feel zen, go to the cafe, go to your office, whatever, and journal about what it is that you want. Picture that dream job and write down what that looks like and start to pick out like what really matters to you. Because for me, Yoni, Salary was a factor. I would say it was important, but it wasn't the number one. Mm. The number one for me was one-on-one -on -one care. The number two for me was facilities. It was making sure I had equipment to properly load. And the number three for me was focus on continuing education, funds for that, as well as mentorship. So when I interviewed with True Sports and I connected with some of the clinicians here, I once those boxes were checked salary wasn't as much of a priority because I had those things. As long as the salary fell within my, my ballpark, great. And that's exactly what happened for me. So before you go into these interviews or during your interviews, go through that process and have those priorities in front of you. And if they don't have them, cross it off the list. But if they check all those boxes and salary just doesn't have to be the most important thing, take that dream job and do what you love and get that experience and you know, a lot of my mentors have told me like the, the money will come. And obviously everybody's in a different financial situation. Um, but I'm really glad that I leaned into those values because I'm really happy with the trajectory that I'm on being a part of this company. And, th and that's awesome to hear 
for obvious reasons because yeah. you're such a stud but <laughs> but also there is a trajectory and i think that's an awesome question right like okay if, if you need to be making something crazy six figures how do you get there i love having that question because to me that that or having that conversation because to me that means now i got a partner and i want to partner with people that want to get better that if if making more money is a part of that awesome let's figure out how we can do that together um as a business owner i'm all about making money um but let's figure out how we can make money together while providing awesome care and maybe there are other projects maybe there are other roles maybe there are other relationships that we can leverage um and, and i think that's what some of your mentors were saying is the money it's there it'll come just figure out how to get there with your company as opposed to despite your company or solely from your company with what they currently offer. So as I expected in having this pod, I learned so much. That seems to be just uh, the ongoing theme of having the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. So thank you for teaching me how to set up this audio visual um, experience. Thank you for teaching me and, and reminding me a little bit more of what a new grad thinks about um, and how True Sports can get better at supporting that, at meeting that new graduate where they are. Um, and thanks for educating all the sports PTs listening to this. I've been so gratified to see just how many people listen. It's, it's crazy. It's awesome. So thanks for being a resource to them. Remind everyone where they can find you. Sure. Yeah, Yoni, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun and definitely a topic that I'm realizing I like talking about. So would love to connect with anybody checking out the True Sports Podcast. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at goalsetmindset underscore JB. And would love if you came and checked out my podcast centered around mental and physical fitness. You can find us at the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. But Instagram is definitely the best way to connect. And uh, Yoni, thanks again for having me on. A serious pleasure. I can't wait to hear all the feedback. I, I hope everyone listening just pops onto Instagram, shoots us a DM at True Sports PT. Let us know what you think. Let us know how Dr. Julie did. Let me know how I did. Let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear. Um, also, we are always growing, and it's crazy to see because we're coming to Delaware soon. So um, if Julie doesn't grab that position, then... <laughs> Reach out. Let us know you're interested in in just joining what it is we're building because we're building some awesome stuff here. But I'm biased. Reach us at True Sports PT. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dr. Julie. We'll see you next week.